0: So let's run that race. Win more. Win more sustainable future than we have now. Overcome the existential crisis of our
1: time. Welcome to MCV Cast. The President of the United States has an Earth Day challenge for America and the rest of the world. We'll hear more from President Biden in a moment. I'm Aaron Murphy here with the Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, Whitney Taney, Political Director Jake Brown. And Program Director Whitner Chase.
2: This is a special legislative update edition of MCB Cast as we track the final days of the Montana Legislature in Helena. There's a whole lot to follow, and this bonus episode will focus on a few major priorities for Montana conservation voters public lands funding, voting rights, and energy development. Let's kick things off with Jake Brown and Whitner Chase, who are both working the halls of the Montana Capitol these days. Jake, where should we start?
3: Whitney, let's begin with Governor Greg Gianforte, who signed two controversial anti voting rights bills into law this week. We're talking about House Bill 176 and Senate Bill 169. House Bill 176 ends Montana's long tradition of same day voter registration, which allows citizens to register and vote up until 8 p.m. on Election Day. It's no secret, same day voter registration opens the doors of democracy for thousands of Montanans every election especially younger voters, poor and working class voters, and people of color. House Bill 176 slams shut that door, moving the voting registration deadline to noon on the day before Election Day. The bill comes from Republican Representative Sharon Grief of Florence.
4: Senate Bill 169 by Republican Senator Mike Cuff of Eureka is also now law in Montana. It limits the forms of ID people can use when voting. Students cannot use a university ID card, for example. Both of these bills went into effect on Tuesday, and hours later, the Montana Democratic Party filed a 26-page lawsuit against Secretary of State Christy Jacobson.
3: The Democrats claim both these new laws violate the Montana Constitution by making it more difficult for younger, poorer, and indigenous people to vote. Here's Sandy Lucky, the executive director of the Montana Democratic Party, speaking to Yellowstone Public Radio.
1: Montana Democrats want fair elections. Gene Forte and the Republicans just want to hold on to their power, and we think that democracy works best. Voters choose their leaders, not the other way around.
4: Secretary of State Christy Jacobson hasn't said much about the lawsuit, but she made plenty of her own headlines this week. Jacobson wrote an open letter to the people of Montana addressing what she calls voting irregularities across the country and recently in Montana. This is a red herring that comes out of a false playbook. Those who have claimed that there were voting irregularities in the last election, and they've been Republicans, haven't ponied up any real evidence of voter fraud, and they ignore the fact that elections administrators from both parties haven't reported any major problems across the country.
2: Thanks, guys. We have a link to the Secretary of State's open letter and the lawsuit from the Montana Democratic Party in our show notes. We've also been following another controversy in the legislature where to send tax revenue from legalized recreational marijuana in Montana. As we've reported at length on MCVcast much of the funding from Ballot Initiative 190 is supposed to fund public lands and specifically the state program Habitat Montana. But many of our lawmakers think they know better than the 57% of Montana voters who approved I-190 and are intent on diverting tax revenue elsewhere.
1: And Montana conservation voters, along with many other public lands organizations in this state, has a problem with that. So does the editorial board of the Missoulian newspaper. On Sunday, the Missoulian wrote this, state legislatures caught up in the complexities of crafting new revenue-generating laws must ask themselves whether their actions reflect the voter-approved vision for recreational marijuana in Montana. They should honor, not tamper with, the language of the initiative and uphold the will of the people.
2: Amen to that. MCV's board chairman is also weighing in with a column scolding lawmakers for meddling with the will of Montana voters. Jock Cunningham writes that... I-190 is supposed to be a new source of substantial, sustained revenue and improving our public lands for generations to come. The Montana legislature, he adds, has the opportunity to fund our future and take care of the unmet needs of landowners, hunters, anglers, and outdoor enthusiasts. And then there's our social media campaign. We voted.
3: MCV launched this video on all of our social media platforms to Turn up the heat even more on Montana lawmakers.
1: 57% of us. That's more than $19 million a year for trails, parks, and more access.
3: Now, the state legislature is trying to gut that funding. So, what do you think about funding from recreational marijuana? If you agree lawmakers shouldn't shortchange funding for our public lands, we're asking you to take action and sign our petition on our website, MTVoters.org. We'll also add a direct link to the show notes. Hundreds of Montanans have already signed on. The petition specifically demands lawmakers act accordingly given public lands funding was always part of marijuana legalization.
4: The 67th session of the Montana Legislature has been full of challenges for public lands, the environment, and voting rights, but we did see a victory this week. Governor Forte on Monday signed a pair of bills into law aimed at addressing the crisis of missing and murdered Indigenous people. House Bills 35 and 98 are from Democratic Representative Sharon stewart Paragoy of Crow Agency. House Bill 35 establishes a formal Missing Persons Review Commission, and House Bill 98 creates a Missing Indigenous Persons Task Force.
1: And now to another positive development for conservation regarding a bill that earned significant opposition from both Republicans and Democrats. A House committee on Wednesday killed Senate Bill 379 from Republican Steve Fitzpatrick of Great Falls. This controversial bill would have put Northwestern Energy's ratepayers on the hook for the high cost of operating and cleaning up its coal-fired power plant in Coal Strip, Montana. It also circumvents the role of Montana's public service commissioners, all Republicans, who oppose this bill.
2: The MCV Education Fund went into the field to see where Montana voters stand on this issue. We recently conducted a phone survey of nearly a 1,000 Montana voters. 61% of them are against Senate Bill 379, and 69% had very serious concerns about Northwestern Energy bypassing the Public Service Commission to raise rates. 60% of Republican respondents also said they have very serious concerns about SB 379, increasing utility bills for ratepayers without approval from the PSC.
1: And speaking of Northwestern Energy, the utility this week proposed building a quarter billion dollar natural gas-fired power plant in Laurel, just outside of Billings. If green-lighted, the plant would add 175 megawatts to Northwestern's portfolio. The plan does need approval from the PSC. This week, we tuned into
3: a fascinating discussion about the future of coal in America, hosted by the National Press Club. The discussion was between Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia and the president of the United Mine Workers of America. His name is Cecil Robertson. Robertson said his union could get on board with President Biden's plan to move away from coal and other fossil fuels as long as it doesn't ignore the thousands of jobs at stake currently in the coal mining industry. Robertson specifically pleaded for a plan that transitions mine workers' into the field of carbon capture and sequestration and American steel manufacturing.
0: We'll take good paying jobs any way we can get them. We need to bring manufacturing to West Virginia and Eastern Kentucky and Southwestern Virginia, jobs that are currently being done by somebody else in the world at low pay. That's why it's happening because somebody in the world will pay somebody else less. Are we really about the business of chasing after the, after the cheapest job we can find in this country? We, need, we can do better than that. Let's bring those jobs to Appalachia and let's pay a decent wage where people can support their families. We desperately need those
3: jobs. Senator Manchin spoke about the heated partisanship that has taken over the debate over the future of coal, and we thought what he said was an important perspective. You can't
0: leave anybody behind, and we have been left Behind. People asked me one time, they said, What happened to West Virginia? How come West Virginia's changed from a Democrat state to a Republican state? How did that happen in the quickest amount of time that we've ever seen? I said, I can tell you how West Virginia feels. We feel like the returning Vietnam veteran. We've done every dirty job you've asked us to do. We never questioned. We did it and performed well. And now all of a sudden, we're not good enough. We're not clean enough. We're not green enough. We're not smart enough. You want to know why they quit voting for Democrats? That's the reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Interior Secretary Deb Holland made two executive orders this week. One establishes a task force to accelerate renewable energy development and identify actions to foster investments in energy communities. The other order rights some of the wrongs of the Trump administration. It's designed to protect public health, conserve land, water, and wildlife, and elevate science. The Interior Department also announced that it's canceling new oil and gas lease sales from public lands through June. The decision is basically an extension of President Biden's pause on oil and gas leasing on public lands. The decision does not affect existing oil and gas leases.
2: And on Thursday, Earth Day, President Biden hosted a climate summit with dozens of world leaders. To show that America is ready to walk the walk, he put America on a path to cut greenhouse gas emissions in half by the year 2030.
0: The signs are unmistakable, the science is undeniable. But the cost of inaction keeps mounting. The United States isn't waiting. We are resolving to take action, not only our federal government, but our cities and our states all across our country, small businesses, large businesses, large corporations, American workers in every field.
2: In response, the president of China also announced his country would strive to be carbon neutral by the year 2060. Japan and Canada also announced increased cuts to carbon emissions by the year 2030.
1: And that's where we'll leave things for this edition of MCV Cast. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back in a few weeks.
0: You know, this moment demands urgency. Good ideas and good intentions aren't good enough. We need to ensure that the financing will be there, both public and private, to meet the moment on climate change and to help us seize the opportunity for good jobs strong economies, and a more secure world. I'm confident, I'm confident that we're going to get this done together.